Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. I think all of us are a little tired of what's going on in the world right now. It's a little annoying. So today, I offer you a little dose of happy inspiration. (sighs) right? My guest is author Tristan Jackson. She reached out to me with the objective of coming on the show to share her messages of hope, rising up, and dreaming the impossible. Speaking of which, her debut work is entitled Dream the Impossible, and it chronicles her life experiences and the key life-changing moments that helped her personally rise up. Tristan explains how others tried to destroy her self-esteem, and she explains what she faced, including abuse, kidnapping, anxiety, and a lot more. Tristan is currently touring with the book, and she's using it as a platform to help shape the lives of youth and young adults globally. For more information about Tristan and to view her other works, visit tjinspires.com and connect with her on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well under the same name, TJ Inspires. Welcome, Tristan. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have you. Now, you're in Houston. Uh, Are you okay with Harvey, the hurricane action? Yes, um, I am in Houston, Texas. Thank God that my family... um, uh, we escaped um, Harvey. I uh, got a little bit of roof damage, but um, other than that, um, we were able to go back to work. Um, we did a little bit of volunteering, but our um, house was uh, spared in Harvey, except That's the roof, a little bit of roof damage, but we're still able to live in it. Wow. How scary that must have been. I can't imagine leaving and, and wondering. Yeah. You're like wondering, yes. like, what's going on with the house and my stuff and yikes. Well, I'm so glad that it worked out and that you're back safe. So let's talk about you. Will you give us kind of the Cliff's Notes version of your journey to becoming an author? So my um, my journey is very unique um, to becoming an author. Um, it wasn't my plan to be an author. Um, I had written Dream the Impossible in 2012. And um, I kind of, I hid it for a while because um, I am a first-generational college student. People think that I am perfect. They're like, well, you don't know. You can't tell. You don't know the struggle. And uh, my mom didn't even know I had written the book. And I had hoarded a lot of the secrets, like the kidnapping and a lot of, uh, you know, struggles um, that we went through uh, growing up. Um, I hid those and I kind of rid them. I written them out. I had a, I have a good memory. So I took those memories and I turned, um, wrote it out in the Microsoft Word document. And it wasn't until I met this young lady um, via Facebook that told me about the self-publishing route. I was like, wow. Let me take what I had written in Microsoft Word and see if I can put it into, you know, a book. And since um, 2015, Dream the Impossible has taken me uh, from Houston to Canada to Washington, all over, and just sharing my story of overcoming obstacles and challenges and just wanting a better, you know, a better future, um, not only for myself, for my future kids and my, you know, the next generation to let them know, hey, that it's okay, you know, that you know, you even though you come from a broken home, does not mean that you have to, uh, you know, live broken all your life. 
Absolutely. You know, it's funny, I was just having a conversation with someone recently about the cycle of poverty, and how it's really hard to break that. Um, If you're, yeah, if you're born into a challenged family, like you said, a broken home, so many of us have experienced that. I also grew up with a single parent, and I know what it's like to struggle and to not have everything like the other kids. And um, it's tough. It's tough to grow up in, in that environment, but it does make you stronger and it is possible for you to break out of that cycle. And so I would love for you to, to tell us a little bit more about your childhood and some of those challenges that you faced. So uh, my childhood was unique. Uh, my mom um, wasn't a drug user. She was the, on the other end of it. She was the seller. And so it was 1989 when she was pregnant with her, uh, with my eighth child when she went down to the city jail. Um, they did a drug raid in the house and they took her down. It's like, ma'am, you're too pretty to be sitting in here. And when she was able to bail out of jail, that's when she, uh, that's when she gave up that life. And so, you know, giving up the drug life, um, uh, means, you know, she had all the money and the fast, you know, I would say the fast money as I explained in my book is that fast money goes fast. And so when she gave up that life, uh, she went, uh, she had to, you know, uh, she went to work at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so raising eight children on the Kentucky Fried Chicken salary, um, you know, was not ideal. And so that that kind of, you know, left us at home with brothers and sisters. And, you know, um, and the kidnapping comes into play when my mom's boyfriend went on the drug raid. A drug binge and so we me and my sister were like oh we want to go we want to go not knowing he said oh i'm gonna get some bread and that turned into three days and so um so that um, kind of you know uh took a toll on us a little bit too so it could took a leery of going with people and so that drug binge took uh he finally dropped us off at a um at someone's house and so my mom had to because she was working she didn't come pick us up she sent a friend to come pick us up and like i said in the book and during the impossible, my mom didn't even know that I remembered that. Her boyfriend kidnapped you? Yes, he did. For three days? For three days. And he went on the drug binge. So so he was, he had you in the car with him and he was... Yes, he did. I remember, I remember that story so vividly. That day my mom, well, that day my mom was cooking in the kitchen. And you know how kids are, oh, we want to go, we want to go, we want to go, we want to go. He was like, oh, I'm just going to go get some bread. And going to get bread took turned into a three day journey, and I vividly remember um, him going from house to house, and him, my mom finally catching up with him, and he dropped him dropping us off at a lady's house, an older lady, uh, and then my mom was working at Kentucky Fried Chicken, and she was too you know busy working. That's when her friend came to pick us up, and it was me and my little sister. You know, the kids, oh, I want to go, not knowing exactly you know, no, you don't need to go. How old were you? I was probably about, I would say about seven or eight years old. Oh gosh. That's like a really important age too. That's like a transitional age where you get really imprinted with stuff, with experiences. So I can't even imagine. Ah, I had a, a combination of feelings as I was listening to you talk about this. Part of me was appalled that this person was so irresponsible, this man, 
to take and children with him. And thank God that him. the people didn't do um, didn't do anything to us. Right. The, he dropped us off at the lady's house, and then my mom's friend, um, best friend, came to pick us up. I share a lot of that, you know, in my book, struggles and you know adversities, um, stories like that that my mom didn't even know that I remembered that story. <laughs> Were you watching him do drugs and just sitting there with him as he was doing drugs? He would leave us in the car. Oh. And I just, I remember us in the car and he would go into, wow. the, go into the house. And then next thing you know, he would come out. Mm-hmm. So it was about two, two days, two days, two to three days. And I vividly remember the lady's house that he dropped us off at. Wow. She was an older African-American lady. And what were you doing? I mean, for two days in the car. I mean, did he feed you? Did you, I mean, this is just bizarre. Yeah, he did feed us. I remember, you know, back in the day, we loved McDonald's. So it was uh, McDonald's, a uh, little food, not like a heavy meal, but it was food, like McDonald's. And your mom didn't realize that you were gone? She didn't realize that we were gone. She thought he was going to bring us back. Okay. What an environment to grow up in, right? I bet now as an adult, you look back and you're like, wow, that was definitely dysfunctional. Yes, very dysfunctional. And so it's very leery of uh, now, even as an adult, very leery of who I, you know, who I ride with or where I go, you know, very leery of my surroundings. Good. You know, sometimes I feel like these types of situations, they can make a person stronger like you, or they can make you go the other route. And you just kind of like think that that's how you're supposed to be living and you end up in the same cycle. So I'm so glad that you broke out. Yes, I believe all of my challenges and adversities and things that I, you know, grew up around has um, made me a stronger person, very, very observant of, you know, I, I learned by example. So I was like, okay, I learned, you know, from this situation not to do this uh, or not to do that. So each, you know, um, you know, taught me to be, you know, very observant, you know, like I said, be very leery of who you're going around, who you're hanging out with you know, what's going on, you know, ask lots of questions. In the bio, you say, you know, you had verbal abuse, that people were attempting to destroy your self-esteem, to tell you that you weren't going to become what you wanted to be in your life. Tell us more about that. What was that all about? So, yes, the verbal abuse and the self-esteem comes from um, really growing up. Um, I am, I have eight brothers and sisters. And so I'm, was, I got, te- I got teased by my own brothers and sisters because I'm the darkest one. And so that took a toll on um, me too, uh, because my mom working so much, um, she didn't, she didn't pay attention to our schoolwork. So that uh, leaving us home with, you know, brothers and sisters, she didn't take a, you know, take homework very seriously. So I got put back a couple grades. So I was always the oldest one in the classroom. So that took a toll on my self-esteem, you know, Absolutely. being the dark one, saying you're ugly, you know, this you're dark. This dark one bit is really annoying to me. I hate hearing yes. that. And and to hear yes. that it was going on within your own family, like what the hell? Yes. So it took a toll on me with my self-esteem, not feeling, you know, pretty enough or not one, you know, to go and hang out, you know, things so, like that. So that yeah. took a toll on me, too. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. What is your relationship with your mom now as an adult? So my uh, thank God that um, my relationship with my mom today is excellent. 
uh, we are like right hand. So the challenges and adversities I went through um, to go off to school and, you know, graduate um, was have really inspired my mom, too. She went back and got her GED. Wow. And so some of the things I know about, you know, the college experience and how to go and talk to an advisor, what do you need to get in college, inspired her to get her GED. And through, you know, challenges and everything, she was able to graduate this past May with an associate's degree. And she went back to school after 50 years. Wow. That is awesome. 50 years. That's and so awesome. she now has a degree under her belt. And so now... Um, um, she has a degree and she has, she has a GED and she has an associate's of applied science and business management. Wow. So what I took, what I learned and, you know, shared it. I said, if I can reach one person out of my family to turn their life around, I think I've did my job. And I did that with my mom. Wow. So one of my biggest accomplishments. Well, yeah. The books. I mean, you're her kid and you're the one who's schooling her <laughs> on living yes. life, right? Yes, yes. How cool is that? You came into her life it's as her angel. Cool. Yes. What about your siblings? Um, they teased you. They they verbally abused you as a kid. What's your relationship with them like now? So because of that right now, um, the relationship with my siblings, I said that when we don't have the best relationship, um, it's, it's, I'll be honest, it needs some improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the best of the best because I guess, um, you know, growing up and being teased and kind of, I don't want to say being my mom's favorite, um, that kind of put a toll on a lot of us, but we talk every now and then, but it's not like, you know, it's not 100%. I would say it's yeah. probably about maybe like 75, 80. Yeah. Well, that makes sense in a way. If I, if I think about it as an outsider, you know, getting this little uh, peek into your life, you were the one child who really worked hard to, to take the good path, right? So they're probably a little yes. jealous. Maybe they're a little jealous. Yeah, sometimes I think so. And sometimes I'm like, you don't have to be jealous of me if you just come in. And it could be me too. Um, you know, just come into my circle a little bit and going, you know, being the only one that's, you know, trying to do right and trying to, you know, build a positive brand yeah. that kind of, um, you know, wanting them to support a little bit more, um, yeah. you know, this positive movement. And, you know, I know there's out there's life outside of, you know, the drug life or outside of the fast life kind of, you know, I don't know if they're kind of like shy of it. You know, I don't know. It's, it's it's a weird relationship, you know, join the bandwagon. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, you know, I think when you grow up in that kind of an environment, you can, you have your choice. You either stay in it and you continue the cycle or you make a new path for yourself and you're making the new path, but they just don't see that for themselves. Perhaps I'm curious how you put yourself through school because it's expensive to get degrees and where you were coming from, it's not like your mom was able to pay for you to go through school. How did you do it? So um, I was able to go through school with the grace of God. I'm going to be honest. I look back over it and I can't tell you how I made it, but I know I made it. And um, I'm because of the struggles and growing up in a single parent home and noticing my mom with going to different places, you know, with credit, um, I was like, man, I need to have good credit. So with school, I, I'm, and from my mom, I learned how to manage, you know, manage money. 
Mm-hmm. And so when I went to school, I didn't take out all of the loans. So because of my, you know, financial status, I was able to get grants and loans. And even though I got loans, I didn't take out all of the loans. I only got enough to, you know, live off of and to take care of my school bills. Mm-hmm. So what got me through school is uh, loans and financial aid That's and working. And working. So I started working my sophomore year of college, and mm-hmm. I was able to work um, a work-study job on campus. And so that has helped me, um, you know, land my career in higher education. That's awesome. Yeah, I did work-study too. Grants, loans, the whole bit. You just got to do what you got to do, right? Yes. That's the that's the mental I took with that. I got to do what I got to do, but I have to be smart about it because I knew that I'm going to have to pay this money back. So there's yeah. no sense in me taking out a $20,000 loan when I'm a sophomore in college, when I still have three more years to go, or if something was to happen, that I'm going to have to pay this money back right away. So yeah. let, you know, thank God that, you know, um, kind of had, you know, a really good support system when I got to school. Um, I started, I joined the church and I had, you know, kind of like a godmother that took me in when I went to school, you know, kind of showed me and, and I utilized a lot of resources at the school because again, I'm a first generational college student and I didn't know a lot of the things. So it's like, let me reach out to some, you know, support to help me, you know, get through this, you know, next phase of my life. Yeah. What a mature young woman you were. I mean, I'm blown away. And uh, do you ever look back and, and kind of marvel at that and think, wow, yeah, I really had my, my stuff together? Yes, I do. And I was like, oh, it's all, you know, through the grace of God that kept me, you know, it was a lot, you know, going on, you know, at back at home and even on the college campus. But I would thank God, you know, that, you know, he just kept me in the right frame of mind and, you know, connected me with the right people. Yeah. Wowies to grow up within this like highly adverse environment with lots of negativity around you. And I relate to that, Tristan, in a lot of ways. And I know so many people who've been through similar adversities and challenges growing up. And it's, you know, I mean, you're a kid, you can't control what's around you. You can't, you have no control over who your siblings are or who your parents are or what they're doing, right? You're just a kid. So um, somehow you were able to still break through from that experience. And wow, that's inspiring. Now, I want to know more about the book. Tell us more about Dream the Impossible. Well, I don't have any kids. So Dream the Impossible is my baby. And so I wrote that in 2012. And as I said before, it started off on the Microsoft Word document writing down, you know, the, you know, the kidnapping, you know, being teased, being the last one to get the papers back with the, you know, sad face because I didn't get the A. And I talk about a lot of that in the book, you know, being the last one to get, you know, a paper back because, you know, how they get all the A's first and then they go from the A's to the B's and mines would have this big red mark or, you know, sad face. And I talk about, you know, being teased by my own brothers and sisters and how, you know, I didn't want anybody coming to my home because it wasn't like, you know, the Cosby home. It was, I was ashamed to bring people to my home. So I didn't have a lot of friends. So Dream the Impossible, I would say, is my personal memoir and my legacy for when I leave this earth, I'll have something to tell my nieces and my nephews and say, hey, my aunt made it through all of these adversities and challenges. She didn't leave us any money, but she did leave us a book and she left us, you know, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, our history. Oh, that's and a so legacy. that dream the impossible. 
Mm-hmm. It's my legacy in book form. And so it talks about, you know, overcoming challenges and adversities and, you know, just wanting to be better, wanting to have a better life and a better future. And that you can. You can. Yes, that you can put any, anything you put your mind to that you can do it. You, if you dream it, you could do it. Dreams are limitless. Absolutely. You know, you watch those award shows, whatever it is, the Video Music Awards, yeah, whatever it is. And you, there are so many people who always come up and say, you know, if you can dream it, you can do it. And it seems like this like cheesy phrase that, you know, is almost lost its impact in some ways because so many people say it. But then when you hear it from your perspective, from your story, it's so much more powerful because you actually really did have to struggle to get to where you are. Tell me about your life now. So my life now is totally different from when I where I grew up. Um, I have um, two things in my life, my career-wise. Um, during school, I you know worked at the university, and upon graduating in two thousand nine, I took a job as academic advisor. So now I get to sit on the other side of it, where I'm inspiring my students. I'm a college advisor at the university here in Houston University. Mm. And so I get to share my experience and um, help students plan out their, you know, careers, their classes, you know, ask lots of questions. What do what you want your major to advise for social work, criminal justice and education? So I'm on the other side of the spectrum. So that's my career wise that I have chosen is to be an academic advisor. And I've been in higher ed for 10 years now. That's awesome. Uh, seven of those years have been academic advising. So that's what I do as full-time. And my, uh, I would say my second passion um, is writing. So I have, since Dream the Impossible, I have released four books. Um, wow. My fourth book is uh, Wake, Pray, Hustle, Repeat, <laughs> which will be out next month. Well, it's out already. And I have released, um, with the help of um, a co-writer, I have released three children's books. And so that's my life now. And I, like I said, I go around all across. I recently was in Canada last month. It was in August. Um, I was in Canada at a book festival. So I go around and I find, you know, different venues that fit within my budget because everything I do is self-finance. So I mm-hmm. take what I you know, I pay my bills and everything and whatever I have left over either goes to, you know, helping my brand. And so I, you know, go around to sharing my story and inspiring people, you know, no matter where you come from or where you've been, that, you know, don't don't give up on your dream. Mm-hmm. Wake, pray, hustle, repeat. I love that title. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And is that similar to Dream the Impossible? Yes, it is. It's, um, it's, Subline to that is inspiring and motivating dreamers. Okay. And so it's, you know, talk about, it really talks about my journey of, you know, wanting, you know, to live a more positive life. And, you know, you know, what do you do when you get the, you know, here's somebody, you know, tell you no, you know, making sure that, you know, it talks about some of the, like Oprah and Tyler Perry, you know, Bill Gates, mm-hmm. you know, how many times they had got the word no or they right. can't do this. And, it's, a, it's actually a journal. It has like some, it has pages at the end of each chapter, you know, just kind of chronicle your thoughts, you know, what's your plans, what's your goals and some ah. of the, you know, road blocks that I had to go through, you know, just, you know, starting my journey and you think just because you're doing something positive that you will have this big bandwagon of people or you have, you know, money. It kind of talks about what you need to, you know, what you do, you need to have to go after your dream. Right. You know, 
it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to go and sit in front of a banker. You know, sometimes you have to sacrifice and it talks about sacrificing, you know, of doing a little bit at a time, not taking on a whole lot. And so yeah. it's, we do that every day. We wake, you pray, and whatever you're doing is, is illegal, you know, not illegal. You have to have some kind of hustle. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope it's legal. <laughs> yeah, we hope it's legal. Right. Yeah, I'm listening to you talk through all of this, and I'm like, now I feel like I'm just a mess. I'm a hot mess compared to you, Tristan. No, no. <laughs> you really I'm have it together here. <laughs> I'm but a it, hot mess.com. Oh, really? It doesn't sound that way to me. Um, <laughs> and you're inspiring others in so many ways, and I just dig it. Um, and you're traveling around, and you're doing it yourself. How cool is that? And I'm so honored that you you found Nothing Off Limits to come and share this information so that people could pick up the book. Any final thoughts for the listeners out there on how they can kind of take charge of their lives and turn it around, stay on the good path? So to the listeners, I would give um, no matter where you are in life or what, you know, what, you know, God, you know, say, listen, the three things I would tell you uh, would definitely to listen. And one is to listen to the voice of God. Um, he will, you know, direct your path, you know, tell you exactly who you need to connect with. Sometimes that we get, well, I need to connect with this person. I need to do that. And sometimes we kind of get ahead of him. I would say, you know, listen to, you know, listen to him. Um, the second thing is, you know, network. Um, you know, you got to network. That comes, you have to network. And you have to, um, the third thing is to never give up. So, it, you know, this. some people think it's a rat race where it's like, you know, I have to do this, I have to do that. Sometimes you need to go at that slow pace. Um, mm-hmm. And I have learned through my journey um, is to take it just one step at a time that, he will connect me to the right people. Um, sometimes it's getting off Facebook or, you know, social media and just sending out an email or going to network or going, you know, um, necessarily, you know, volunteering. So I would tell the three things I would tell your listeners to whatever they, um, you know, they're, you know, wanting to obtain in life, you know, one to listen to the voice of God. Two is to, you know, you know, network. And three is just to take your time. Um, it's not a rat race. Just take your time with it, you know, and make sure you, and the fourth thing is to make sure you, you know, you're polished to make sure you have your, you know, everything, you know, together, your website, mm-hmm. you know, your bio. And so when, when you're ready to, you know, people start, you know, calling that you're ready. Yeah. I like the idea of the word hustle, but yet that doesn't mean hurry up. Right. Yeah. No. Take your time, plan it out. Be strategic. Right. Yeah. Really be prepared. Do the work, but it doesn't mean just like doing as much as possible. And I think that that's a misconception. A lot of people think hustling means like going crazy and not getting any sleep and not taking care of yourself and doing you know running yourself to the ground. That's not what it means. No. And I had to learn that. You know, sometimes it could be a slow hustle, but as long as you're doing it in decency and order, the, you know, I would, you know, I would definitely say the people will respond. Yeah. 
And also, I want to respond to when you said follow God. For everyone, that might be different, right? So, so not everybody is a church-going person, and so for, yeah, for those of— Yeah, it may be different. Yeah. And I mean, some people's God is that inner intuition, their their inner soul, yeah. their, that inner voice. And so whatever God is to you out there listening, yes. right? Yes, whatever—yes, that is perfect. Whatever God is to you, yes, listen to that voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because for me, I mean, I've done a few podcasts about intuition and and listening to that because we all have it. We all have that gut feeling or that idea of what's right for us or what's wrong for us. And I'm so glad that you followed what was right for you, Tristan. What an inspiring woman you are. And thank you for writing your books and for sharing your message with people. You're really making a mark and, and living out your purpose, aren't you? Yes, and I I thank you for just taking out the time to reply and, you know, taking out the time, you know, to you know, to do the phone call today. I just thank you so much. It's 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 a joy, like I said. You get so many no's, but when you get one yes, you're like, Yes, this is like the best feeling in the world. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I have to thank you again, not only for coming on here, but for and for sharing your message, but for all of our little communications in between. You're always so positive. It's like happy Monday, happy Wednesday, <laughs> happy Friday. I'm like, wow, this chick is really happy all the time. <laughs> yes, like, and you have to be. You have to be. It's a it's a war out here, so you have to con- yeah. you have to have some kind of positive attitude. If yes. not the world is, you know, the gloom sometimes will just take you down. So true. So (laughs) it's nice because at the top of the episode, I said, you know, I think we can all agree that we're a little tired of what's going on in the world right now. So I definitely got my dose of happy inspiration from you, Tristan, and I'm sure everyone out there listening did as well. I encourage everybody to pick up her books, check out the work that she's done. Go to her website, tjinspires.com. I'm going to leave the link in the show notes as well so you can connect with Tristan. And Tristan, thank you again. I hope you have a happy day. Yes, thank you so much. Have a good day. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.